morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, coffee moaners. Good morning if you're on a podcast and a good morning those of you that are brave enough to look at our faces. We've made an effort. Mark's put on pink and blue. Hack and that's number one. Up. I didn't realise there's hack number one. These are hacks. Fantastic. So what have we got coming up? Um, good morning, everyone. I'm morning, and just quickly to say hello to Omar John Zadran. I hope you're well, and I hope you're looking after yourself. And yes, sending yeah, lots of love on the border with uh, Gaza. Uh, what we've we got coming up? We're going to be talking briefly about Nella Rose being booted out of the jungle. We want to get your thoughts on that because, to be honest with you, we tried watching it and we were bored, rigid. Um, we're going to talk about festive first date. Well, we're going to talk about first date warnings, or you know, sort of advice on things to do or not to do. Uh, that is the question on a first date, but with a festive flair and a festive feel, because everyone wants to cuddle at Christmas. Um, I saw this story about rental bidding. Gen, Gen, Gen Z, is it Gen Z? Gen Z? We've forgotten again. Gen Z. No, no, I was talking to Kiki on the way to school and, I, and she said, no, 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 I'm Gen Z. So, <laughs> so I'm constantly asking the kids, which are you? Um, and I just wanted to talk about this. I was just shocked and horrified by the fact that people rent, in renting accommodation, people who are renting, are now encouraged to bid the amount that they're willing to pay to rent. Yep, so we're uh, definitely going to look into that. that. And we're going to obviously be talking about the, um, the Israel-Gaza conflict at the end. Um, but I also want to uh, throw a spotlight over a particular part of it that's, that's sinister in its just calculate, potentially calculated potentially. Um, sort of aspect, which is the idea that um, traders, uh, investment traders, will, you know, have traded... We're trading at a time just before the uh, catastrophe and atrocity of October the 7th, uh, suggesting some kind of prior knowledge of the event. So we're going to explore that too. And obviously we'll have a, a, an update on what's happening out there as well. Oh, and yeah, and that's it, I think. Is that everything? But yeah. first of all, I want, to talk, I want to ask you something. Do you ever have Christmas decoration wars in your house? Because those of you who, watch, who are watching Vlogmas know all about this. Those of you that aren't watching our Vlogmas, which is our daily Christmas reality show, it is funny. It is funny. It was so nice watching it with you all guys yesterday. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And commenting. Yeah. But we are in a situation where we are at war because Mark wants a snow village. I'm sick of the snow village. And it's getting a bit tense in the house. Mm. So do you? does anybody else have that where one of you wants like full kitsch Somebody else isn't bothered. Does your partner not engage or engage? I fully engage. And I thought I took umbrage yesterday. I fully engage. But you made a point yesterday, which I suppose one has to just roll with the punches. And you were like, you get it all out of the loft. And then I'm left having to sort of pour through the ever more shambolic shards of broken village bits. And when you said that, I actually, I did pause. I sort of went into a, a bit. Well, I went into a room and I thought, she's kind of right. And then straight after that, I thought, I don't care. I was going to say, no. you didn't then come out of the bloody room no. and say to me, no. you're right. No, I thought, That's marriage. Like, very infrequently does one go, you know what, I'm wrong and I don't care. <laughs> I just, is it, we do, I was thinking about this the other day. We live in an age now where if we're doing something wrong, why, why can't we do things wrong? Why can't we be wrong? I think at this point in my life, I say I'm wrong more than I ever have before. You are having I do. a lot. When I think I'm wrong, your when I think else. I'm wrong, I say it to you quite often. You just don't hear it. Are I you, do. Are I you go, actually, no, I was wrong there. Sorry, but you don't. You don't know how to deal with it. 
I don't know how to deal with it because I've never heard it. Are you having a laugh? Are you having a laugh with those glasses on? No one could take you seriously with those on. (laughs) My God, they're like the daddies of these. (laughs) No, anyway, so no, I did go in the other room and I thought, she's got a point. She's got a point. But the devil in disguise, the sort of little frosty, the snowman devil came back on my shoulder and went, I don't give a fuck. Okay, there we yeah. go. No, anyway, no, but anyway, on that point, you're right. We're in a conflict. It's terrible. I hate it. And I have got some big, serious news that I'm not going to share with you here, but I am going to be sharing with Dina on the vlog. And I'm going to relish every single second of it. So if you want to check out Vlogmas, it started on the 1st of December, goes right through the 25th. And um, yeah, we're all having a ball with that. We, we are all having a ball. There goes Chi Chi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> where's her where's her Christmas put outfit? She was a bit hot. She's a bit hot. <laughs> okay, guys, so um shall we go through the Okay, Nell, come on guys. Give us your opinions on Nella Rose. Nella Rose. This is obviously the YouTuber who was in I'm a Celebrity for any of our uh for um uh your international subs, followers, listeners. Nella Rose, uh, she's been eliminated from I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. She was a YouTube influencer. I guess she's on Instagram too. Uh, she's the second contestant to be booted out. Frankie Dettori, as I understand it, was the first one. Um, she was in there for 17 days. And it strikes me, what's really odd about this? We just literally couldn't be drawn to it. But, um, oh, Columbia Road, please tell me. Joni, you guys need to get down Columbia Road on Wednesday. Do a crap. I want to do that. That's what I showed you. I said, we've got to do that for Vlogmas. And you went... For, for what purpose? No, it wasn't Columbia Road. The yeah. Columbia Road flower market. No, no, it's the cats, it's Carol singing. I didn't realise, I'm sorry. That's I what I want to do. I was wrong. That's what I no, want to no, do. Listen, I was wrong. Wanna I want to do Spitalfields. It's nearby. Spitalfields is nearby. It's just right next to it. Mm. Can we do it? Mm-hmm. Why, 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 why have you gone quiet? Nothing. What's wrong with you? Nothing. I just said I'm wrong. Okay, so, um, but, but here's the thing. I, the, apparently their argument um, about Fred Sirix's saying, I'm old enough to be your dad, um, got 861 Ofcom, Ofcom complaints, which isn't, none of these numbers ever sound a lot, but it's more than Lorraine got for complaining about his bottom. Um, th- was there no other sensitive moment other than the Fred Sirix Listen, moment and the Nigel Farage moment? What's going on It's here? like I've said before, I really liked her. The bits and pieces I have seen, I've liked her. I think she lost oh. it with Fred. But I do think she was totally triggered. I think, it, yes, it was irrational. Yes, she was rude to him. But I think people have been very brutal ever since then. I, I love that she's like, she's just as she is. And she's not faking Unvarnished. it. Unvarnished. Um, uh, yeah, I just, she hasn't been schooled. And I'm sorry, I don't care what anyone says. It is far more difficult in these reality shows if you are black. I think Boom. you have a tougher time. I don't care what anyone else says. I really do believe that. I really do believe that. Mm. And I think that she was uncompromising. Um, I think that she was completely unpiared. She'd had no media training on what to do and what to say. It was so funny. When I went into Big Brother, people tried to give me media training. Not officially, but... And I just didn't listen to a word of it. Because you can't. If you're not that sort of person, you just can't do it. Like, 
before when people have said to me in certain things, oh, now I don't think you should say that. And I think you should say this in the way, I literally can't do it. And I think she's that, but much, much younger. And, you know, if we were all to look back in our early 20s and we were to be put into a situation where everybody else had a, a lot more power and fame and you're young, and like she said, she has been chaotic in her life, and then you've got that magnification, you are not going to behave perfectly. OK, well, let me read a few of these out. Um, she started quite a lot of arguments, Amy May says, and it seemed like she was doing it for screen time, but I hope she doesn't get much hate now. She's out, but I know that's not how the world works. Someone else said her interview was incredibly articulate, funny, and refreshingly honest. Uh, she said... Um, what did she say? Something along the lines of... I, I, I should have known not to say anything Should have known to... Yeah, not to have said anything I mean, no too controversial. I, I think you're right, Nads. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think something, again, I'm going to champion... We would, we're YouTubers. I'm going to champion the merits of social media here. Too many... There are too many suits in television and mainstream media outlets, including papers, that try and straightjacket everyone into something that they think the audience wants. And I think the very, very, the very DNA of the idea behind Loose Women, which was actually probably quite one of the most radical, is we're not putting four women on screen that you're supposed to like. We we're putting four, four screaming, women. Yeah, scre screaming, no. We're putting four women on screen. There's always supposed to be people there that somebody yeah. doesn't like. Aggravate you know? people, that annoy people. I mean, yeah. that's the whole point. And I think you're right. I think it's really important that people... Annoy, you know, I, I said when, when I heard about the Nella Rose and watched the footage of the Nella Rose conflict with Fred Sorex, I mean, I could, yeah, clearly Fred was not, didn't mean anything. I still think that albeit that she's lost her parents and albeit that she says that she was triggered and it was triggering and maybe she felt, maybe what had happened being kind in that instance, maybe what she felt in opening up to Fred Sorex and that, because Fred seems like a very sort of affable, warm, avuncular chap, doesn't he? He's very avuncular. He's sort of, mm. I bet she felt some degree of safety and will have, I've done it all my life, projected fatherhood onto him a little bit. So for him to have said that exactly. might have been a real exactly. bit well, of a rip. A and we of, won't have seen all of, all of the chat. A friend of mine who does know her said, uh, not, not like she's not a friend of hers, but she knows she said, I think she felt she had a connection with Fred. Right, right, yeah. And I, I said, oh, God, isn't that interesting? Because when I looked at it, I thought... That's what Lizzie Russell says. He's so, done a lot before it. so hurt. Mm. She's so hurt. That's what I saw when you've got that kind of irris irrational anger. You're obviously... You're often very hurt. And I just think... I just think, again, people tend to vote people out mm. that have a lot of... You know, stuff to say. We're always oh. left with the boring ones. Yeah, May Boo makes a good point. Girls are more opinionated nowadays. We we can't want strong women and then say, "Oh, she's rude." Can you just be nice Agree. all the time? Can you just be polite all the time? You Agree. Know? She could be a bit more, bit, a bit much sometimes, but she didn't kill someone. The hate she got wasn't needed. It, it strikes yeah. me that a lot of people are saying Fred's being sort of overbearing or bullying with um, Josie. Josie she's... is just the best. Yeah. Please yeah. vote for Josie. She's just so, so, so lovely. Jenny. She really deserves to win. She's had the toughest of childhoods and life. You know, we've had her on the show and interviewed her. Her life was so hard, but with no worries me. She is a true, she's a genuine article like Alison Hammond. Those two are real. They're not fake lovely showbiz. They are... The real, the real McCoy. They're proper. And Josie, I would love it if Josie won. I think she probably it. is. Um, Cambo says, Fred needs to rein it in massively. He's rubbing everyone up the wrong way. Oh, interesting. So maybe we don't know. Maybe Nella saw something earlier yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Ah.
Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Nella Rose is out. So uh, I'm presumably all, does it all grind to a halt this coming weekend? Are we already three weeks in? Um, let's do Gen Z, Gen Z. Is it Gen Z or Gen Z? Is it like TMZ, TMZ? I don't know. Gen Z. This story is a piece in, on the BBC News website, and it's a kind of it's a it's a character piece about a chap or a person, uh, Chris Sayers, who went to rent a flat. Uh, and found himself looking around the accommodation and the uh, the estate agent or the letting agency said to him, well, you know, what, what are you going to offer to stay here? Um, and I'm not necessarily sure it's this place that he was looking at where he found this mushroom, but there were mushrooms growing out of the floor. Um, and he said, well, what do you mean? He said, surely there's the price that this is to be rented for. And the estate agent, letting agent said, well, you probably need to stump up. It's an open bid, like like you get with some houses that you buy. You know, what are you willing to offer? I would recommend you give a hundred quid more than what they they're actually asking for. And he was like, he went away, and he was like, well, hang on a minute. So, I, I, he was shocked and horrified that the bidding war is 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 that there's a bidding war for accommodations, rental accommodations, where you could possibly pay through through your through the roof for a property that has mushrooms coming out. Anyway, I, the reason I wanted to talk about this was rental is not what it used to be. And I think everyone in our misty-eyed baby boomer millennial uh, generation likes to think that, the, that life has just stayed as it did in 1986. And it just hasn't. It just hasn't. And I just wondered whether there are any of you guys who have children, kids who've gone to college, you yourselves struggle with the rental dilemma of getting really shit accommodation for huge amounts of money. I just I've found just this been shocking. I've disgusted over the years with um, and friends of the kids, nephew, my daughter, our daughter's boyfriend, the standard of these flats that they go into for university is disgusting. Oh my God, it's and it doesn't matter. And no matter how well they leave that house or that flat, they get their deposit taken. Now, of course, there are many decent landlords, and I'm not one for bashing all no, landlords. No, 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 absolutely. And not all landlords are making lots of money. And I've listened over the years to, to programmes of, yeah. of landlords that have just got another property mm. and are really, really struggling, and they've mm. struggled to get that, and that's their pension, and then their mortgage rates keep going up. It's a nightmare for a lot of decent landlords and we're not talking about them, we're talking about the indecent ones, and we're talking about the horrendous housing crisis that, that young people, like, you know, I was saying to you the other day, somebody at work, you know, her and her boyfriend both earn well. They're having to rent a room in a house with, mm. a, with, with this other woman because just it's totally unaffordable mm. to get a flat. And I think there should be something put in place for this bidding wars. You know, charge the price that you want. Mm. Because it's like profiteering on a really difficult moment financially yeah. for yeah, this yeah. country. It's profiteering. Oh, and Erin Bullimore, you say it could be a good idea if everyone offered the what it's worth. But of course, this is where the estate agent creeps in. And I think, as you rightly say, there are landlords that are nasty, there are landlords that aren't. There are annoying tenants, and then there are those that the vast majority aren't, obviously. It's the estate agents. Edward Bevington asked a really good question earlier. Um, who's given estate agents the right to basically curate and construct communities? I mean, if you think about it, estate agents control the population in a way, don't they? In terms of who they allow in, the prices they set, who they recommend, who they take references from and all that kind of stuff. It's curious, isn't it, in this private sector? I think the estate MT agents says. have a vested interest in not going, watching it go down, the bidding. They have only got a vested interest in it going up. 
MT makes a good point. If they can, why not? If they can what? If they can get a higher price, why not? If it's your business, imagine it's your business, right? Because imagine that you're not making tons of money, but you need to make a good amount of money from that flat. Because I think, I think it, by and large, as a strategy, the only people who are going to be losing out are young people who are already being squeezed to the absolute hilt uh, with, with rentals that are, that are just uh, as high as having a full mortgage. Which I totally agree with. But as MT says, if you can, why not? If you're the landlord and it's a business and you want to make more well, money. Well, absolutely. I mean, well, if you can, why not just put as many people in a, a tiny house and not repair it? You could do. There are so many things you yeah. could do as a oh, landlord. I do think there is a real moral obligation as a landlord. And I think if a landlord is not interested and can't follow that moral obligation, they should look for another way to make money. Mm. Because things like damp, it's no joke. Like if you're just, if you've got a really damp place and you're gonna rent that out, people mm. do get ill. And remember that child mm. that died. Mm. So, you know, and we can think of somebody, a young person who has a condition now that has been made so much worse by that damp. It, it, it was so upsetting. Yeah. And literally, we all wanted to help. We just could not get hold of the land. Just didn't care. I just think, I just think, I just think you can't pretend that landlords, not all of them, but landlords and the letting, let's say the letting agency industry isn't taking advantage of this. Within that, there will be landlords, and I hear them often phoning into LBC, who are totally, you know, reputable, careful, yeah. kind to their, their tenants. But, you know, of course, there's, there's going to be people taking advantage of this. I just, I just find it, I just find it sort of morally sort of suspicious. And, and here's the other thing. More often than not, it's, the reason this is, I do think, is a young skewing thing is more often than not, kids... A lot of rentals, the, the huge business of higher education is, is, is a massive part of that higher education is accommodation. That's a huge part of the business of higher education. And I think what happens there is because kids are taking out higher and higher student loans with no real distinct sense that they're necessarily going to be able to pay it because it's just you have to earn a certain threshold to be able to do that. So you've got loads and loads of kids coming out. That period, if you were to remove the, the compulsion on youngsters to go to college, Landlords would have a nightmare. Landlords' yeah. wealth is directly attributed to the higher education industry in this country. And of course, what happens at the point that you finish higher education is you no longer have a loan. So the loan system, in a sense, you could argue the student loan system is there to pay landlords. Mm. I find the whole thing just... I remember having the most awful, but, awful, awful arguments with our landlords at, at down in Canterbury. It was awful. Let's read some of these Which out one? because um, Victoria, um, that's what happened to us when we were students. It was a three bed and they lived in with... They lived in with us an extra, extra 20, 20... Oh, they moved in with us an extra 25 French students and they wrecked the place. An extra 25? 25? Wow. Uh, Francesca Bastos, my rent went up over 30% since 2022. It's a scandal. Wow. People like me in the beginning of their careers are getting such you a bad really deal. You really are. We see this all the time. It's just not fair, guys. Elsa. I just think young people are just being so bloody squeezed in every way. Elsa Pop it's... says there's more bad landlords than good. Trust me. Mm. I know from bad experience. In my experience, never go with a private landlord, always via an estate agent. Well... You say that, yeah, but know. then people that we know, they've gone through the estate agent and then the estate agent says, oh, we couldn't get hold of the landlord. Because yeah, yeah. it's still at some point, if there's something that's needing to be spent on the on the flat, then um, then they've, they've got to contact the landlord. The yeah. landlord doesn't pick up the phone anymore to the estate agent. So, yeah. uh, oh. 
Ah, oh, see, Zoe disagrees. She thinks a private l landlord feels better. Yes, because I think they've got nothing to protect. There's no buffer. Whereas if you've got that landlord's number... And also, there was a story I covered on the Coffee Moaning Weekend Papers, I don't know if you heard, uh, a chap who tragically took his life because he couldn't bear the sound of his noisy neighbours and the letting agency... Uh, did nothing, didn't pick up the phone, didn't respond to him, didn't reply to him. He was camping out in his own bedroom, in his own kitchen, rather, to get away from it. And he took his own life. And so oh the, his, his family are now suing the letting agency for that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think I, I, courses for courses, is there protection from a letting agency or, yeah, private? So, so there's no regulation at all on bidding wars. I mean, is that what it needs? Do you think? Yeah, it's, of... it's it's the same as it's the same as properties. I mean, mm. there's you know, what are you willing to offer? Are you willing to offer more? I mean, I, I guess, and the landlord will just hold out until someone either hits their target or. They, it, I think it it feels like it's just chancing your arm to get a little bit more. Mm. So you'll have, it'll be a high amount anyway, and it's like or maybe someone if the if the demand is in the market. Then you know there'll be. I mean, the amount of times you hear of students in in university towns who are struggling to find their accommodation. Well, what happens in that situation? Like your ADHD drugs. If there's a huge demand and there's low supply, prices go up. Mm. Okay, let's just talk about. Okay, this was what this 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 is. We're going to move on to first dates. Beware right. of work whingers and ten other lessons I've learned from going on thirty two first dates this year. And we thought this would be quite a, a good one to have a chat about because. I think a lot of people do say being single around Christmas is like one of the saddest times they find to be single. Mm. It is a hunkering down, romantic sort of time of the year, people think. That well, about and also most divorces come out of Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's the twinkly lights everywhere, isn't it? It's the movies. It's the, you know, the perfect setup. So apparently this time of year... It goes, it goes bonkers. The whole dating scene. So um, we thought we would just <laughs> I like touch your word on there. It goes bonkers. Bonkers. Um, so I thought we did. We, we've done these before, haven't we? Like the do's and don'ts of, of dates. Um, you found a fest. Got... You found one with sort of festive do's and don'ts, didn't you? Or did because I have no festive I'm... suggestions ah. of what you could do on dates. And ah. It's a good time of year, but I. So I think those two things together. Um, Can I just make a quick suggestion right out of the out of the starting traps? What are they called? Went off the starting blocks. I think going on an ice skating date is disastrous, personally. Right. I think you get the immediate ick with whoever you're with, and you are truly going to give the ick. Yeah, I don't think it's a good first date thing because what if you fall and you're hanging on to them and everything? Nothing worse. But Nothing being works. around an ice skating ring, I think is very romantic. I, I always want to go and have a look, but I don't want to get on the ice. See, I, t I don't, yeah, I could imagine taking you on a date if I was trying to be you and say, shall we go and look at the skaters at the Natural History Museum? Yeah, a nice wander around early on before it's packed. Yeah, and then I'd say, I'll take you to see my favourite Stegosaurus. Oh, because well, natural history. Me. I don't Would want I? to go and see a Stegosaurus. Do you know the T Rex at the Natural History Museum every year gets a Christmas jumper? Do you know that? I put a Christmas jumper on the T-Rex. I think that's cute. I like things like that. I just do. <laughs> Zoe just said she went on a date in Winter Wonderland, did the ice skating. It was a disaster. <laughs> you end up in the wet end. And I don't mean trust the bed. Zoe, trust Zoe to always have a disaster <laughs> date story. The only time I went on a date in an ice skating rink was with Jane. And um, it was in Battersea. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was in Bayswater. And uh, I ended up just in the wet end. One half of the whole thing just ended up in yeah. ice. Ixville. 
It's a bit like sex in the shower, isn't it? It looks good in a movie, but in reality, no. Yeah. So one of the first things that they say, don't date to find a partner. This is a woman who's done multiple, multiple dates, and this is all the things that she's learned. Don't date to find a partner. Date to just go out and just see. What? Just have fun? But even to have fun is quite a responsibility. It's a huge burden. Yeah. I hate it. Um, um, and then dates don't always have to equal alcohol. Well, we have said this before, haven't we? And she says when she started this series, it was a lot of drunken nights and pub drinks. I still do go on pub dates, but I definitely think my dating style has changed. She's now incorporated more coffees and more afternoons sort of or like meet up for an hour because she reckons that you absolutely know in the first date whether you are whether it, whether you are attracted to somebody or not and that beyond or she doesn't agree with this idea that well you have to wait and see you don't know what will happen i only ever done... i disagree with that yeah well i think a first usually you go on a first date when you go on a first date don't you it's not a blind date is it you, you've usually got some sense of the person so i think you've got past the idea whether they inherently give you the ick but I agree that going on, say, a blind date, or if it's the first time you meet someone from a... I've only ever been on one blind date, and it was, it was catastrophic um, it, for all the wrong reasons, right reasons. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think you're right. I think within the first nanosecond, you know if this is going anywhere. Well, no, I didn't. I, I don't agree with that. She said that. I don't agree with that. I don't? Oh, right. No. Oh, I don't. Because I think, you know, I think... I can think of an, a few times when I've thought that I don't really like somebody, <clears throat> and especially if you are a bit caught up in toxic masculinity. So you could, don't forget that that those mixed up feelings of excitement and also maybe your gut telling you that somebody isn't right can be confused. So I I, I don't actually agree with that anymore. I did when I, when I was younger, I would have said that. I think I've lost track of what you agree with. So <clears throat> well, what do you agree with? I don't agree that you, sh you know on the first date. Right. Almost. Right. I, I, you can know if you've got absolutely no connection, that's right, and don't see another. But if you like the person... Yes. If you think, oh, this person is quite nice. Oh, and that was quite interesting. But I haven't got that thing where I just really fancy them. Don't just go to one date. Maybe Go, go on a, beyond that. Maybe go on a date and think that if you're not feeling any of those things, could this be a good friend? Exactly. Well, that's what she says. She oh. says the thing is, she's made now made lots of friends and connections and new social circles oh. so if you go thinking oh i might make a new friend out of this i mean zoe said back there but coffee dates are boring but if they are boring why are they boring oh christ that's a killer question isn't it? that's the kind of thing they ask you in rehab that's the question i swear i'm boring well what, that's what are you the question about? you've got to ask yourself because it is you know when you're go if you're going on a date and it's something, I don't know, a bit wild and you're like, you're a bit wild and you're drinking sort of and everything. How much are you seeing that person? Yeah. That might be masking a boring person. Whereas if you're in a boring situation, yes. then like I would say another that's a, thing that's is, a good point. is to go for like a walk. Do you know what I mean? Meet, I was like in London, yeah. if I was dating now, I'd say, let's meet on the South Bank. So you walk along the South Bank, you've got lots to look at. If you wanted to get a little glass of wine, mm. you can. But you're moving, you're not looking straight into somebody's eyes. You've got a bit of a chance to be... I think so many... be so awkward, you know. I think so many problems emerge in first dates and first and blind dates and meeting people for the first time from the enforced face-to-faceness of a meal. I think walking and talking. 
I think walking and talking, walking and talking is a really good. good idea. In different directions sometimes. Yeah. Uh, good to show some vulnerability. Obviously, um, everyone don't. gets nervous on a first date and you want to put your best foot forward. But it's also about being a little bit vulnerable with the person that you're with. And it's good to acknowledge that you're human. I'm a vapor, so that's always the flaw that I expose. It's nice to show your imperfections as well as your best side. Mm. I think but it's a balance, isn't it? Yeah, because I mean, one thing you've said a lot is don't show too much vulnerability. Oh, absolutely. Do not. Well, you anybody that watches this regularly knows this is my top tip. Share, share it again. Do People need to hear it. Do not say you've been treated badly. Don't. You're don't handing them the key. Do, don't say, oh, everyone I've been with is an arsehole. Or, or don't say... Um, always, oh God, I'm... well my last boyfriend or my last girlfriend broke my heart and I was a mess. It is an ick, yeah. I'm telling you now, do yeah. not do it. You only do that when you are really secure with that person. You can show vulnerabilities like I vape, you can do, but don't be too... Vulnerabilities like I vape? Well she said I vape, so I, oh. I admit to that. But don't be too self-deprecating, not at the beginning. Not at the beginning. And absolutely, I really don't think that. And don't do ever that. be self-defecating. Not on a first date. That's awful. <laughs> Leave talk of exes until later. You don't need I to share with them that said. you used. Yeah, you don't need to yeah. share with them that you used to date a Furby or someone that at least you like to drink. You know, don't share that stuff. Um, you know, we've said before on here, just in case it's the first time people come in. I think this is a really good bit of advice. Disagree with something the other person says. Great tip. Because you know when you first go on a date and you can be like, oh, you just agree with everything. Don't. Disagree with something. Yeah. And just see how they respond because a narcissist will often show themselves just like for a flash, you know, and, and so it's quite a good, like, red, red card? Red flag. Red flag. Yeah, and also it, what's really good about that is you can tell within a nanosecond the extent to which someone has inflexibility in their bones. You know, the idea that if you say, if you say, if someone says to you, oh, I saw this film the other day and it was da 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 da, and they have such an overbearingly negative, dismissive, contemptible response, it's probably not good because, you know, they're, they're, where's meeting in the middle? Where's yeah. hearing what you think? It's all about yeah. listening, isn't it? It's not about telling. So like if, so, and if somebody says, oh God, I love to do something or other, don't say, oh, I love to do it as well, if you don't. True. Uh, Natasha Milchin just said, if they ask me about my past relationships, I burst into tears straight away. Don't. Edward Bevington. Bite your yeah. tongue. Make yourself not do that. <laughs> Edward Bevington has just written a little comment here, which could be the title of a, of a self-help book. Psychos start with a smile. <laughs> <laughs> Dating doesn't have to be your social life. What does that mean? I started this, I don't even know what that means. If there's a connection, you'll probably feel it immediately. I don't agree. I think sometimes a connection can be built. I think mm. a little bit like when you're trying to light a fire with a piece of wood and a whatever it is. Mm. And just think of it, she says, like a, a date as an add-on to your social life, not your social life. A strap-on, that's what you you're do, saying. If you do like somebody, right, but you don't fancy them, yes. try to see if you could keep a friendship going. You know... <sighs> You know, on first date sometimes when they both go, mm, didn't yeah. really work, but I liked you. Yeah. And then quite often they'll be friends and they'll carry on and some really good friendships have come out from first dates. So why not do that? Because, of course, if you expand your social circle, you're going to get more potential people. That but, then, but then you come up against and you hit quite quickly the Billy Crystal, Meg Ryan dilemma of can a man and a woman in a straight legs in heterosexual uh, dating... Can they really be friends without there being a sexual con of course contingent? As long as neither of you fancy each other. Well, yeah, and also keep your todger in. 
Uh, there's always going to be another great date. At the moment, I'm in a bit of a rut, says this person. I haven't had a great date for a while, but I know that there's always going to be another great date around the corner. Yeah, that's good. And it's normal to have lonely days. You know, people that are single, we, you know, it, it is a couple's obsessed world. Just remember this. Oh, I feel first like, hang on, all, Jerry Springer moment. First of all, yeah. Instagram versus reality mm. is reality, right? Yeah. So people show the best moments on social media. Couples, relationships, marriages are hard fucking work. And sometimes you can feel incredibly lonely within a relationship. And you know what? That's all right. Yeah. And it's the same if you're single. Mm. It's okay to feel lonely. Don't imagine that somebody that's in a couple doesn't feel lonely. I feel lonely sometimes. I've got a lovely family. I've got friends. And I feel lonely sometimes. Mark feels lonely sometimes. We, it's not something that... I think it's something that every human feels at some point. And the thing is to sit with it a bit. If you are single and you're lonely, don't think, don't try not to obsess that the only reason is that is because you're not in a relationship. It could be for so many other things. So not to put too much store that a relationship is going to save you from loneliness. And what I'd like to add in and chime in on that with that thought, which I think is really, really apt and really, really important is what you're talking about there is how we can all fall into dating, serial dating, serial relationships, multi-monogamous, all this kind of stuff. It can become something that actually distracts us from aloneness, which I think we all need to be able to feel and all need to be able to have time for, is the ability to know that what, you know, we're not simply distracting from ourselves all the time. Because what we often use relationships for, what we can often use dating for is some way, like alcohol, like drugs, to fix, mm. to fix, to fix. And so it's a balance. I mean, obviously, you can feel lonely and you do want to be with someone and you do like that sort of, you know, higgy kind of cuddle and all that kind of stuff. But um, but also it's important to know that you're wanting that as an addition to your life. And I think to like have a... It was Helen Groves did love, had a lovely mustard. Can you see I felt more it? lonely in my 25-year yeah. marriage than I feel now and I've been on my own for eight years now. Well, there you go, you oh, see. Helen. But also to have a toolbox, like a mental toolbox for those lonely moments. It's like, how can you, how can you cosy up for yourself, what yeah. can you do if you're having a really particularly lonely day? Make try and make that more an alone day where where you really, you know, look after yourself. I will quite often do this, you know. I will hug myself because sometimes when I feel a certain sort of vulnerability, somebody else's hug can feel to me like I need to give them something. So you, it's, and 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 that's not always right when you're feeling vulnerable. I sometimes do this on my own. And that makes me feel less alone. Good. No, it does. Also, on that note, toolbox. I'd like a toolbox. So there we go. Um, really, How no. toolboxes have I bought? I know. They, Where do they go? I don't know. Bro. I mean, you know how other people lose, lose socks? He's toolboxes. Um, I think it's really important. I think that's really good advice. Hopefully, a little bit of uh, sort of auntie and uncle chat there. Um, I, you know, for me, I think... Blind dates and dating and all that kind of stuff. You it's, do, Natasha. It's just, it's, it's tricky. I think also cut yourself some slack. It's hard. Being it's hard. isn't all that it's, it's made up. It's you hard. might be, you might be wishing for something that actually. Exactly. Why do they say be careful what you wish for? Yeah, exactly. So just go out on a date to meet somebody new. You might have a bit of fun. You might not. It's take 
the pressure out of it. Mm. Don't be going to everyone thinking, is this the one? Is this the one? Because I think that's a bit disastrous to think like that. Yeah, I, do. I mean, it does worry me that every night before we go to bed, Nadia prays at the bottom of the bed. It's really weird. Why do you do that? Sort of like for forgiveness or what? Strength? Anyway. Edward Bevington, just relax. You're doing really well. That's a lovely line. Nice line. Thanks, Edward. OK, just quickly, we are now going to move just through um, Israel and Gaza. Uh, yes, Natasha. Do you send it on the email underneath? Yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and so for some of you may, maybe don't want to be here for this. Can, can I just correct something that I know a number of people mentioned yesterday? I, when I said yesterday that one shouldn't feel bad for not wanting to engage, I wasn't for a minute suggesting, because I think a few people say it is bad to not be... I think being informed, educated and plugged into what's going on and having an understanding of things is absolutely incumbent on everyone, absolutely everyone, if, on the, and this is the most important detail, if you're going to have a very strong opinion on it. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, to, to know what what's going on. Well, no, 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 because, because lots of people will have a really strong opinion without having equipped themselves with anything. Oh, They'll just so have you a mean response. it the other way around. It They'll... sounded like you should only be informed if you're going to have a really strong opinion. But what you mean is the other yeah, way yeah, around. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Right. And so, you know, I think, you know, in terms of what I'm saying is, is that there will be some people for whom there isn't a personal aspect of this that hits them. If you see it in the news, you're bound to be moved. You're bound to be. But what I don't think anyone should feel is that if they've been in embedded in this story if they've been engaged with this story and there are moments where one has to come up for air even though everyone in Palestine cannot come up for air um, and the hostage fam families of the hostages that are still there cannot come up for air it's not it doesn't mean you're somehow betraying everyone and, a, and an awful person that's what I was trying to say there has to be sometimes some people it, just can't cope with it the powerlessness of it yeah. the anxiety of it and sometimes for me even I think that that great sort of tip isn't it you know if, if you're on a flight going down a parent should put their mask on first in order to rescue their kids mm. Sometimes you just need to attend to yourself first and then and then you can have a resurgent push of showing the truth or looking into things or trying to unpick things. That's all I meant by it was, you know, it's okay to and take a breath. Yeah, and something you can do if you want to stay engaged and you don't want to post stuff and you don't want to fundraise and you don't want to do any of that stuff, which is a lot, you know. But what you can do is you can go and search for good social media accounts. You can like the posts. You can favourite the post, save a post. And that helps the word get out and the information get out. Mm, um, mm. So yeah. just in terms of where are things at... Well, should I... we say goodbye to anyone that might want to leave? Yeah, yeah. So uh, thank you for today. Absolutely lovely. Don't forget, Vlogmas goes out again tonight. So um, I think, are we changing the time to eight o'clock? No, it just yesterday was a bit of a, a, a train crash in terms okay. of timings. Okay, um, so if you are leaving us now... Love you. But if not, and you want to stay and, and uh, catch up on the news with the Israeli-Palestinian situation, that's what we're moving to. So, so really, it's the, the, I mean, you know, going through the updates, looking through the, through the news, sort of the mainstream media, social media, you know, it's the same relentless, unfortunately, imagery of, of, of principally children, being bodies being carried, uh, people being killed, huge decimation, destruction, uh, civilian casualties surrounding strikes where Israel have purportedly hit a Hamas target. Um, you know, there's still, you know, it, it, it's that, it's the sort of war of attrition, which 
is a war of attrition, not just in terms of quite literally the war of attrition on the ground, but there's the war of information attrition, where it's the relentlessness of it. There's nothing new to say about the same thing other than calling it out for what it still looks like and still is, which is a disproportionately imbalanced continued assault. Now, that said, Israel are still looking to rescue, you know, I think 134 hostages are still in, in Gaza. Um, there is a strong belief that the vast majority of Hamas have migrated down to the south and are embedded in an e within an even more tightly populated area now. But some of the things that I think uh, have popped up today that just fill you with dread and fear, and they're not even necessarily the most obviously awful things. This was something I was talking about actually in the car this morning. And this is the news being, oh, yeah, I just want to quickly say this, just quickly. Um, this, is, this is something reported by Al Jazeera. Can I just call out the national media racism that is embedded within any news that emerges from any single news outlet that happens to have an Arabic basis. Mm. Absolutely sensational, systemic racism that if you see a news piece from Al Jazeera, it's automatically assumed. assumed. It's Islamophobia, it's, pure and It's simple. wrong, it's inaccurate, it'll be fake, it's, it's tilted in one direction, what have you. Whereas absolutely fine for the telegraph or the mail to say mother of all thumpings you know disgusting it's absolutely I can't outrageous get over that. right down to the fact that the telegraph today is reporting about the guardian and i have to say i'm you know i've, re I've, I've read the guardian for years and i've thought the guardian has played it incredibly i feel they've almost been pontius pilot-esque in their sitting on the fenceness with it all they've yeah you know the fact of course you want balance and all that kind of stuff but i just feel that They've almost been too careful, but the Telegraph is like had a, ran a piece today, talking about the fact that the Guardian is in a, you know is in a tailspin, struggling to kind of control journalists from signing all these things. This is a newspaper, the Telegraph, Signed that has what? made signing um, petitions oh. for, the, for the ceasefire or petitions for against the violence or you know or, or going on any kind of march or doing anything that's in any way pro ceasefire, not pro even Palestinian. This is coming from a paper that has made no secret of its absolutely unconditional support of the Israeli response. Good God. I Astonishing mean, pot calling kettle black. I oh mean, my, my God. God. I it's, it's staggering to behold. But what we're seeing is the slow erosion. And I was even talking to some young adults the other day about they feel that what they, you know, I tell you what, anyone who isn't a young adult now, anyone who's older than young adults, We've all got an unwholesome surprise coming through because the younger generations are seeing through the bullshit that the media does. I'm telling you now, right down to whether it be youngsters not buying into corporate brands and all this kind of stuff going it alone, they are they are seeing past the 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 the, the propaganda. They they see it for what it is, and it's interesting. It's interesting. So. I just, it just struck me. I just thought, why is it if we ever report something from Middle East tonight or from Al Jazeera, it's just immediately dismissed. Like, but at, the, the, the Times work, of Israel, it's at, got to be trusted. I was at work a few weeks ago and I was saying, oh, because my dad, you know, listens to Al Jazeera. Well, I was saying, I was just saying it funnily, of course, oh, it drives my mum because my dad's got Al Jazeera on all the time. And everyone went, like, what, what, what do you think? Hmm. What, what are you thinking when you have a sharp intake of breath? Al Jazeera? Are you just thinking ISIS? Well, because it says it's Al. Like it's as simple Al. as Al. Do people literally think, oh, they must be terror. I yeah, mean, it's so racist. It's so racist. I mean, follow Al Jazeera. 
Instagram. You see, it's just very like it's just like any other news channel. They have some re they have some excellent journalists. They have some not so good journalists, like every other news channel. And it's just exactly. yeah. Question yourself when you hear Al Jazeera. What do you really hear when you hear Ma Middle East Eye? What do you really hear? But if you hear the Times of Israel, it's all got to be true, isn't it? <laughs> or Eye on Palestine. These are the ones that we follow. You can see people go, oh, wait. Yeah, we've got to get over this idea have, that yeah. everybody that is Middle Eastern is a terrorist. It, and it, I'm telling you now, it's so embedded, it's ridiculous. It's I mean, I, I, you know, I have a subscription to The Telegraph. I, you, it's, it's incumbent on you all and everyone who wants an opinion on these things to look at both sides of the equation. And of course, certain media outlets will always sway in a certain direction. But it doesn't mean it's all immediately dismissible. It doesn't mean that it's all immediately propaganda. And You know, but, but... This story really, really, really hit me. And this isn't about, tragically, this isn't about children dying. This isn't about bodies. This isn't about numbers. This isn't about, um, you know, the bombing. This is about business. This is about farmland and greenhouses. In northern Gaza, the Israeli Defence Force are essentially um, adopting a sort of well, scorched earth policy to fertile land. They're destroying farmland. What is the point of destroying farmland? This is so that when eventually we get to whatever notional point in the future, there is a pause. When, when, when Gazans return to their livelihoods homes, there will be no arable land, there'll be no land to grow stuff on for so many years. This felt like the most passive aggressive aggressivity in the whole thing. Raised the floor, they've raised the ground, they've, they've destroyed How many what of will the be the livelihoods. Trees? I mean, so many olive trees, olive trees, 50 years before they bear fruit, you know, olive oil is like a huge, you know, it's, 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 it's their economy. And, and you can't just replant olive trees it's illegal to forage. Now, of course, talking about talking about farming land isn't going to make huge headlines that makes clickbait that gets people clicking on stuff. But what it does do is it makes it very damn difficult for a family to return to where they lived and eke a living or eke, a, you know, or just eke a meal. This is Human Rights Watch with yeah. the satellite imagery of yeah. it. It's literally, it's human heartbreaking. Rights Watch. It's heartbreaking. We are watching something appalling happen. We all saw something appalling happen October the 7th and called it out for what it was. Why we aren't we calling call out this too. for what it is? Yeah. It's, it's shameful. It's shameful. And on this, on this, just finally, this story is quite, quite staggering. So this is the report being reported everywhere. Sky News have reported this, that traders, stock market traders, investment bankers, traders, were told of the Hamas attack on Israel in advance and profited from tragic events. Apparently, data has shown that on the Tel Aviv, I believe, on the Tel Aviv uh, stock market and other stock markets that have a sort of investment sort of, what's the word, exposure to weaponry, military, you know, anything that can kind of gain from some kind of conflict, uh, that certain stocks were being shorted. And so... You know, this is the what idea. That mean? So to short a stock is effectively you're betting on the idea that the value of a stock is going to go down. It, so yeah. if you know, for example, a drought, if, so when a drought hits and it destroys or decimates a certain crop, and not to the point that there's very few and you can still buy them, but it's literally going to destroy the industry and you know it's going to be eroded terribly. Well, a good example is cinema. 
cinema, as streaming, it, it, you know, became such a sort of big thing in, in lockdown. Cinemas, the, 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 the trust in cinemas being a going concern as a business got less and less and well, less. Like it's a strike. dying form. The strikes come yeah. in. So and so what people know. do is people will buy and buy and buy and they'll buy into the stock market and they'll bet on the fact that the price, the value of cinemas will keep going down. And often it's quite a safe bet because you can look at what's happening in the market. These, you buy it when it's when it's cheap, so that yeah. when it when it goes back up. Well, no, you're sh and you're shorting. You're yeah. actually making money on a company going Bust. bankrupt. Yeah. Um, Tremendous. But what they noticed in the details of the stock market in the run-up, I think from October the second, was a prior knowledge within the stock market that something was coming. So who has who has pinpointed this then? Well, this has been pinpointed by it is Israeli authorities are investigating research by U.S. law professors Robert Jackson and Joshua Mitz from New York University and Columbia University found significant short selling of shares leading up to the massacre. This suggests there was knowledge. Now, this could be one of two things. This could be two. There could be two ways that this works. Um, so, for example, you know, shares in the Israel exchange trade. So any, any Israeli exposed kind of, uh, you know, um, funds or shares or companies, um, you know, people would have been betting on them going down because they were like, oh, it's going to be a huge bloody war. There's something awful is going to happen. So the value of all those shares are going to go down. Let's bet on that. It's a surefire bet. Um, so the selling on the Tel Aviv stock market increased dramatically in the run up to October the 7th. This suggests one of two things. Either... Hamas was in touch with people in Tel Aviv and was telling them it was happening. Um, and someone you know, on the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange was like, OK, well, we know this is coming. Or it gives some merit. It gives some merit. We're not being anti-Israel. We are telling you something that is being reported in the... This is ironic. This is the mainstream media. Or someone on the stock market in Israel knew. And that this is a major point for Netanyahu, because lots of people in Israel, this isn't anti-Israel, it's anti-Netanyahu, anti whose fraud case starts again today. Um, the suggestion being that Egypt notified uh, Netanyahu's government that this, this attack was going to come many, many months ago. So they're connecting these two things? Yes, they're connecting the right. two things. So what will happen about this? Well, There's an investigation. Well, so Israeli authorities are investigating. Let, uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So um, intriguing, isn't it intriguing? And also, of course, the other part of the whole financial, global financial market, which is just so unforgivable, are those senators in the US, uh, you know, US government who have all sorts of, uh, you know, interests in weaponry and arms manufacturing, for which, of course, all the stocks went up as soon as the conflict happened. So, you know, Draw from that there's always want. money made out of yeah. misery. Always, there's always people that increase their millions around a time of misery, and this would be no different from any other, any other situation. It's just, just, just. Oh, it's so depressing. It's so frustrating. It's like, anyway, guys, so we're going to head off. That, yeah, as we say, we keep it to the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, Vlogmas will be landing later. Yeah.